Welcome everybody. This is Mobility and Inclusion. I am Harut Markarian and our guest today is the Adapted Physical Education Specialist, Ross Moore. In 2011, Ross graduated from Slippery Rock University of Pennsylvania with a degree in Health and Physical Education. He taught Adapted Physical Education for three years at a special day school in Pennsylvania. He served students from three to 21 years old with moderate to severe disabilities. After getting his master's degree in adapted physical activity in 2014, Ross accepted an adapted physical education position in Los Angeles, California. He continuously works to create an accepting and inclusive environment for all students with disabilities with all his school silence. Ross believes creating inclusive schools will create a more accepting and inclusive community. Ross, welcome to the show. Thank you for so much for giving us and our viewers the opportunity to learn from your experience. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yep. Uh, so before we dive into this, uh, can you give us a bit of context into uh, like what is adapted physical education? Um, adapted, adapted physical education um, definitely varies throughout the country, but um, I can speak speci specifically to um, how it is implemented in California. Um, in California, uh, adapted physical education is a service on um, students' individual education plans. Um, and our adapted physical education specialists directly support um, students with disabilities to access their physical education environment. Cool. Um, so this is an individual-based program? Yeah, um, it's definitely each, each student um, uh, is, you develop a individual physical education goal for them. Um, and then the service is provided depending on their disability. Um, they, they receive more or more minutes depending on um, their impact and, and how much um, their disability impacts their accessibility. All right. So whether, whether they're wheelchair users or students with intellectual disabilities, um, each, each situation is unique. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for, for, uh, uh, explaining that to us. Um, now you currently worked at uh, the Green Dot Public Schools. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you please tell us a little bit about the Green Dot Schools and your role there? Uh, Green Dot Public Schools, currently um, it's one of the uh, largest public charter schools um, in the nation. They have, they have locations in uh, California, Washington, and Tennessee. Uh, specifically where I'm at in Los Angeles, they focus on serving um, low-income communities and try to reduce um, the achievement gap between black and brown communities and then other um, more affluent um, communities. So primarily, um, that's the demographic that uh, Green Dot Public School serves. But it's not, it's not necessarily uh, for students with, with disabilities, right? It's for everybody. Yeah, it's, it's for everybody. Uh, they they operate um, the whole. The, um, there's been a couple school transformations that they've taken over, in, in addition to starting their own schools in in the um, low income areas. So it's it's like it's a general school, and then they offer um, general education in addition to um, a very robust special education opportunity for for everyone. Awesome, awesome, great. So um, I was reading your resume, and in it you said you designed a fully inclusive fitness room. Is that? Yeah, I'm, it's um, it's in process. I was I was able to receive funding for um, the inclusive fitness room at the end of last year. Um, due to COVID, uh, the funding did get delayed a little bit, but it's still um, coming our way. Uh, so right now, 
it's it's an it's an idea that I've been working at for for a long time, and uh, we're we're looking into just bringing in some um, really unique specialized equipment um, that everyone can use. So um, the general education students could work right alongside our special education students, whether they have a um, physical disability or intellectual disability. Okay, and with this. Uh... Uh, the the fitness room that you're that you're designing. Um, well, first let me ask, how long did it take you to get the funding? Um, so luckily, I had a lot of support from uh, Green Dot Public Schools, public schools, where they were able to connect me to a funding source. Um, it probably took about two or three months. Um, I wrote a grant and then uh, did a presentation with my. Um, special education team and shortly after we were, we were awarded the grant. So it, was, it took about two months to complete. Um, but yeah, that was definitely the one of the biggest barriers to creating a fitness room that was accessible to everybody. Um, because at the moment, um, the fitness room that is at the high school I'm at is um, very limited in um, modern fitness equipment. So uh, it definitely wasn't um, accessible to a lot of um, students with disabilities. Oh, well, uh, looks, seems like you did a great job accessing those <laughs> funds, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, usually that's, usually that's one of the hardest parts, but um, now it's, it's just bringing the idea to life that I'm looking forward to, but um, just on a little bit of delay due to uh, COVID. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. I mean, everything is delayed due to COVID. But uh, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you were able to uh, obtain the, these funds, and uh, you're serving these uh, these kids now. Um, when you when you design the fitness room, you're designing the fitness room for everyone, right? Uh, regardless of their disability or ability, whatever you might want to call it, everyone can use it. So we're yeah. kind of talking about here. We're get, getting into universal design, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So what equipment uh, did you put in the fitness room or, or you're planning on putting in the fitness room that was used both for, you know, for students? Yeah. I mean, um, honestly, that's, that's definitely still a work in progress. Um, my, my initial idea was um, to just really uh, update all of the um, fitness equipment or even the weight machines because a lot of our students with disabilities, they need the guidance of a machine rather than free weights. So the specific fitness room I'm looking at is, is um, more machine-based and cardio-based with um, a lot of visual supports um, and visual reinforcements for our students with intellectual disabilities. And then also some um, of those weight machines, um, I've seen a lot of uh, different weight machines where the um, seat of the machine um, kind of swings out of the way. So a, a wheelchair user would be able to back um, back the wheelchair into the exercise location and just be able to en engage right away. And then also, um, if an able-bodied person wanted to use the same machine, it would just put the seat right back um, in the location and it could be used for everyone. Yeah, okay, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, I uh, So have you ever thought about... Um, well, you, you do physical education. Uh, do you also uh, participate in activities such as, uh, you know, so, uh, like social activities with these kids? Um, do you participate in that? Yeah. Um, specifically, uh, I've recently partnered with um, Special Olympics Southern California. Mm -hmm. And um, within the past 10 years, Special Olympics really have been pushing um, 
uh, inclusive school movement called Unified Champion Schools. Um, three main pillars of Unified Champion Schools um, is unified leadership, so students with and without disabilities organizing leadership activities, um, whole school engagement, so uh, organizing assemblies related around disability awareness, mm -hmm. and then lastly, unified, unified sports. Oh, nice, nice. Um, you also trained and incorporated paraeducators. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about what paraeducators are first. Uh, paraeducators are um, employees that are employed by the school that specifically um, either are one-on-ones to students with um, moderate severe, severe disabilities or are also um, assigned to support a, um, a supportive role for the teachers. Okay. So um, in, in my specific uh, job, I train them to be more um, to be able to access, help our students access their physical activity environment and also run small small groups and um, small uh, exercise uh, activities with with the kids and experience wise how did you like you know how did you like mentoring or or, or bringing them up to speed the you know the paraeducators when you were training them did you enjoy the experience uh, how was it like? yeah um, it, it, no, it's a great experience too, uh, because um, you're able to introduce them to some uh, different strategies and different um, activities that they weren't really familiar with that makes everyone successful. Mm -hmm. So it, it's really it's really rewarding to be able to give them those tools that they can even they can continue to use um, in different areas throughout the school. So, for example, if um, some of the students are at um, recess or even at lunch playing um, di in different activities. They're able to maybe modify the ball or maybe modify the field, modify um, the rules of the game to really help everyone um, be successful. So um, you're, you're talking about, uh, I guess this dives into my next question. I was going to ask you about your experience partnering with Special Olympics and aligning the uh, high school with Unified Champion School to set the inclusion standards. Um, but let's go back to the point you just made, like you're, you're modifying some, either the field or the ball or whatever it is. And when you're doing these modifications, my first question is, are there various uh, types of disabilities involved in, in the game, for example, that you guys are playing? And if yes, are able-bodied also participating in these activities? Yeah, and that's that's really the um, idea behind Unified Champion Schools is having um, able-bodied and general education students playing right alongside uh, our students with disabilities. Uh, the majority of uh, the students that I specifically work with are more um, students with intellectual disabilities. There are some with um, physical disabilities, but um, yeah, like you said, just. Uh, modifying the um, the equipment, the field, or the rules for everyone to be successful, and then finding those partners um, to really be um, willing to foster those those friendships and, and the activity for everyone to um, get enjoyment out of it. That's beautiful. And what's the, what is the uh, experience of the able-bodied students like? How do they how do they usually uh, you know participate, engage? What is their 
you know, because they're, they're different, right? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the student with a disability or a challenge is different than uh, the student with, without a challenge. So how are they, how are they usually coping with, the, with these exercises? That's, that's what I enjoy the most about um, creating that opportunity is because um, a lot of um, students without disabilities uh, don't always have that engagement uh, with uh, people with disabilities. So creating a safe, um, welcoming environment for everyone to um, participate is the first step. And then once those students feel comfortable and um, look at everyone as a person, look at look at the person before the disability, um, then the friend, the genuine friendships, um, really start uh, coming out. So it's it's really um, a really cool thing because the, I mean there there's always, there's some students that um, just aren't really open to it, and that's um, that's okay. But the majority of them, once they um, engage in that activity and that opportunity, they really enjoy it, and they like the kind of recreation level of sports rather than the ultra competitive um, area too. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's good for everyone. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's wonderful, man. The job you're doing is great. And uh, I mean, it's, it's a shame that uh, to this day, we're still talking about, you know, inclusion. It's, it's, it, it, it should, it should have been done long ago, but uh, I'm, yeah. uh, you know, I, I cannot be happier uh, with the work that you're doing. It's, uh, it's really empowering. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, um, now you also started an inclusive disability awareness club. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about its mission and what do you do? What do you guys do? When do you meet? Yeah, that's um, in alignment with um, the Unified Champion School um, that specifically kind of fulfilled the Unified Leadership aspect mm -hmm. of uh, being a Unified Champion School. And for um, for us, this is our this would be the start of our second year doing it. Uh, last year, uh, we have an advisory class where we meet, last year we met three, three days a week. And beginning of the year, we were just building friendships between our students with and without disabilities. And then as that grew and their um, concept of inclusion and their concept of um, disability awareness grew, then we started creating whole school um, events where uh, we would have mental health awareness days at lunch, or even we had a week of inclusion uh, in, in March last last year, where each specific day highlighted um, different disabilities, and we would sim simulate um, for for different people uh, throughout the school different disabilities and and how students with disabilities have to navigate their environment and how difficult it is for them sometimes. Mm. So, uh, are there? Do you have a lot of uh, able-bodied uh, individuals in the in the in the club? Yeah, I mean, we, we try to do um, almost close to a one one to one ratio okay. of students with disabilities to students without disabilities. So uh, last year, I think we had around thirty. So we had like fifteen students. Fifteen. Oh, nice. That's 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 great to know, man. Mm -hmm. That's great. And what is your approach in teaching PE to these uh, students with developmental delays? Um, can you re repeat that? Yeah, the, your approach in teaching PE to students with developmental delays. Um, it, it's really, big for me, First, the first word that comes to mind is, is, is patience and then uh, modification. Uh, everyone and meet the student where, where they're at. Um, if, uh, 
they're intimidated by certain certain objects or certain balls, you need to make sure that you adapt those activities and adapt the environment for them to feel feel safe and um, not feel intimidated by by the situation. So it's really on an individual basis. So I'm curious when you uh, when you wait when you went to school and studied physical education, did you know that you were going to end up end up working I, with kids with disabilities? No, I didn't. I actually, I mean, my undergrad was just in health and physical education. So my my goal was to uh, get out and be a gen ed PE teacher and coach and and do that. Because um, I, I actually specifically remember taking adversity class and um, volunteering at a Special Olympics event. And my, my reflection, I remember specifically was like, it, it, it's not my thing. But my uh, first job out of college was at the special day school that was mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And I just fell in love with um, students with disabilities and um, wanted to learn more. So that's when I went back to school for my master's degree. Oh, nice, nice. Very, very cool story, man. Um, so there's this uh, concept and I recently learned this concept. You know, I talked about universal design, but every time I talked about universal design or I thought about universal design, it all uh, came to our environment or the equipment that we use, right? In our daily mm -hmm. lives. But then I came across this um, um, Dr. Terrence Brady's talk. He's an Oxford fellow, research fellow. Uh, and he talked about universal design for learning, like, which is an, an inclusive educational experiences for learning regardless of their background, ability, or disability, right? Uh, so, uh, I mean, this captivated me. This, uh, this was really something that was new to me. Um, and I was curious. I, I thought I asked you this question if you had heard about the term and whether you used it or not. Obviously, from the sound of it, you seem like you're using it already yeah. and I think and I think that might be the case with um, a lot of a lot of teachers um, not just adapted physical education specialists but um, yeah I mean I was introduced to universal design of learning or UDL in my master pro my master's program mm -hmm. so um, I had a little <clears throat> through through that I had a little bit of understanding of uh, different principles and concepts of uh, UDL and um, yeah I mean it's really great underlying structure to really um, make sure everyone is included and everyone has an opportunity to be successful. So it's, it's definitely something to look into if, um, if any of your audience uh, members haven't, haven't checked it out. Nice. Yeah, definitely. I will uh, encourage uh, anyone, every, everyone who works with, the, with, the, with kids uh, and teachers at a school to look at uh, UDL, definitely. Um, now, you evaluate the students for their motor skills and object control skills. Please give us a brief definition of what challenges these students face. Um, specifically, um, in my, as an adapted physical education specialist, we, you, we conduct um, motor, motor assessments to see if students are eligible for, for services. Um, so specifically, uh, a lot of our students that be, that are eligible for services are either um, students that have a physical physical impairment that restricts their access to the general education environment, or an intellectual disability that um, impacts their comprehension of, of classroom instruction, and and sometimes creates a um, sometimes a dangerous situation if they're if they're unable to um, 
to navigate their their uh, immediate environment. Okay, and um, after uh, do you do you ever deal with uh, like or have you witnessed kids playing video games? Right. Like um, physical activity video games. Yeah. Do Do you do that at your uh, at where you work? Um, I we we haven't because we haven't had the funds to um, bring stuff like that in. But I am potentially looking into um, trying to have an have an area of our fitness room to because I mean for me that would be a really um, positive reinforcer because they're they're um, playing video games but in in addition to video games they are. Um, staying active so yeah um, it's definitely an area that I haven't really have I don't really have much experience in that in that area but there's um, I'm definitely interested in exploring that yeah so uh, uh, I'm I'm in the process of writing my book right now and in it uh, in the chapter there's this um, um, there's this professor who developed this video game called um, Orbit uh, and it's it's like a trackball and uh, people with cerebral palsy, right, that, can, that don't have the motor skills that you and I have, right, they can play video games. And apparently statistics or research, their research showed that they actually, it's good for inclusion as well because with, they're playing with able-bodied children and sometimes they're actually, they're engaging better. Like people who don't talk as much are talking more. They're engaging mm-hmm. with their, you know, with their peers better. So mm-hmm. uh, that's something that, you might want it's, it's, yeah it's a so the device is called orbit orbit yes and okay. I, I i can send you a link and it's going to be mentioned in my book as well um i it's it's uh, i mean obviously i did I, I didn't know about it until i i did some research and it came up and uh, orbit it, was yeah one of the is, uh, it, is it like an ex, is it expensive <laughs> it sounds like expensive. I, uh, <laughs> I, sure. I i honestly don't know how much it costs Okay, uh, but I can I can send you the link and you can uh, you can look look in, look into it. Uh, yeah, check, check but it out. like everything, right? In this world, um, we have to take into consideration the, the the monetary factor, of course. Right, whether there's the funds or not, and that's something that I'm addressing also in my book. Uh, mm-hmm. I was writing one chapter today. Um, I don't know. There's this MIT professor Hugh Her. Uh, he uh, he lost his both legs during a, during a cl- climbing accident. So anyway, he ended up designing his own his own limbs, right? And he works he works at MIT. He does great research. He even went to Medicare and Medicaid to pursue them that this should be uh, a necessity so people can get this technology f- for the betterment of their of their lives, right? So, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so there's that uh, that fight also going on, and uh, you know, I'm gonna be in there somewhere one of these days. So. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, what do you think is still missing today in better establishing a fully inclusive environment? Uh, really, the opportunities. Um, if if every school really committed to um, an inclusive environment and really creating classes that um, our students with disabilities had daily interaction with students without disabilities um, that I, I truly believe that that's the best place to start because if they're able to experience what 
people with disabilities have to offer from a young age, they're not going to develop the, I don't know, the, um, the awareness maybe. Yeah, I mean, it, it increases their awareness and really increases their awareness of how, how much they have to offer. So mm -hmm. it's just going to um, make an all around better, better school environment. But then, like I've said at the beginning, um, create that really inclusive community. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I can uh, talk at length about uh, all the problems that our school system have today. But uh, I think it's, uh, it's safe to say that the school model is uh, somewhat obsolete, mm -hmm. right? The old-fashioned school model. And uh, I think we need to uh, make a push for a better, more inclusive school systems. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, with the current distance learning environment, that's kind of shaken the traditional model up. Yeah. So who knows what's really going to, if some of this is going to be adopted into the future or not. But I, I agree with you. I mean, there needs to be some sort of... Um, some sort of shake up to the traditional model model. Yeah, yeah definitely. So uh, let's talk about the companies uh, in general um, and companies who develop devices for people with disabilities in particular. Uh, what can they do or are they doing enough to promote and improve inclusion now? And I'm, I talk about inclusion in my book uh, and uh, the research shows that there is some work that is being done to promote inclusion in the workplace or what have you, but statistics show that it's not enough. What's your experience with it? So are you talking about like specific companies that create devices and what they're doing? Yeah. So companies in general that, you know, that employ people and then uh -huh. companies who create the devices, I guess you can separate them in two different questions. So let's start by what does companies in general who employ these people and they, you, you see a disclaimer every time you apply for a job, you know, there's equal opportunity for people with disabilities as well. Right. But I mean, I can say this with a clear conscience. That's not the case. It's not an equal opportunity, you know, right. every time. So what do you yeah. think these companies should do? Uh, I mean, that's, that's extremely hard, hard question. Um, but I believe, if they were able to um, have those experiences, like what I was talking about through through um, the high school I'm currently working at, they would they would understand the um, the benefit and the and the um, op opportunities that people with disabilities have to offer. So uh, they really should provide space, provide um, accessibility in a variety of different variety of different way, ways for every employee to be successful in um, their current work environment. So uh, really allocating funds for different different desks or different chairs or different um, allowing people to work from home if they need to. Yeah. Uh, they should just really have an open mind to um, allowing, allowing people with disabilities to um, be to contribute in the best way that they that they can. Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, I can speak to that as well in terms of, you know, uh, like you said earlier, you know, look at, look at the person, don't look at the disability, right? Mm -hmm. The person might, might or might not. You always evaluate someone whether they can do the task or not. You don't, mm -hmm. you don't look at how they, how they look. You don't look at what, uh, you know, how they walk, how they, how, how they talk. You just, 
you know, you judge them based on the tasks that, are, that they're going to be given and whether they can complete it or not. That's right. the main focus. Yep. Yep. And what about the equipment that they, the, the, the mobility equipment or any other equipment that these people with the, with the challenges use? Uh, do you think mm -hmm. these equipment, in your experience, with the kids that use wheelchairs, canes, or whatever else they use, um, do you think it's, uh, it's efficient enough? It's extremely difficult to navigate. Um, it's where each one of our students with disabilities, they have a case manager that really advocates for them to get the devices and equipment that they need. Uh, I've seen it take uh, a month or two for it to happen, and I've seen over a year for it to happen. It really just depends on, um, I, don't, I don't know the details of it, but I would assume insurance and yeah. where those funds are coming from. So. I've seen I've seen successful cases too, but I've mm -hmm. I've seen definitely uh, monetary barriers for yeah. a lot of our low incomes um, students. And just to be clear, this is uh, equipment for for basic functions, right? It's not uh, like uh, but like basic functions like walking or like uh, yeah, moving from um, one to the other, right? Yeah, I mean, with uh, in addition to adaptive physical education um, as a service. A lot of our students, or a lot of our students with orthopedic impairments, um, they have uh, occupational therapy, they have physical therapy, counseling, um, and some other some other um, services as well. But specifically, physical therapy and occupational therapy um, suggest specialized um, equipment for them to be successful for them to access their school environment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, th I mean those those devices are um, always so usually challenged to 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 get i see i see so uh, hopefully we'll get to a time where um, this will be a necessity and not a luxury and everybody and everybody who needs it for their you know basic rights to move around to see to hear to talk you know that they, they can get it without uh, without spending extended amount of time with the insurance companies absolutely that would be that would be the dream <laughs> Yeah. Well, hopefully it will be a reality soon. Yeah. Um, Ross, uh, thanks again. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, I appreciate your, uh, your educating us with, uh, with your experience. Uh, good luck to you and uh, keep up the good work, man. You're doing a great job. Awesome. Yeah. And if anybody has any additional questions, my email is ross.more at green.org. And then my Instagram that you found me on was um, at Unified Saints. And that is just a, um, a page that we do a lot of, um, you could follow along basically of uh, the, the different disability awareness activities we do and mm -hmm. the, the Unified Sports. So if anyone interested in just following along, that's, that's where you can find me. Definitely, I will. Uh, so once I post this video uh, to uh, the different social, my, my social medias, I will also include your, uh, your contact information and how to get in touch with you. Awesome. All right. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>